and really making clear that you're a great listener. If you're not strong at that, then you're not you're not being a you're just not being the the coach that you could be. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the number one coach biz podcast. Where it is all about how you can make your coaching business number one in your niche. How you can stand out online and become visible for the people that need your help. Something personal. When I was around 15, I had a drive-in show. You know, the kind with turntables and lights? Well, actually, it was more of me building it and listening to records. I had one paid gigs in two years. Hi, my name is Aaron Arning, and I'm a mentor for life and business coaches that want to become number one in their niche. In this episode, I interviewed Tony Stubblebine, CEO of Coach.me. Tony founded Coach.me on the idea that positive reinforcement and coaching can be deployed universally to help people achieve their goals. Prior to Coach.me, he was the founder and CEO of Crowdvine Event Social Networks, and he was previously part of Visabe Launch Team and Director of Engineering at Audio.com. Also, he was the number six account on Twitter. After the interview, I will tell you more about the surprise that Tony has for you. Please enjoy the tips and ideas that Tony shares in this interview. Let's get the show rolling. Welcome to the number one Coach Biz podcast, where you will learn how to make your coaching business number one in your niche. Practical tips that you can use to improve your business today. And now, your host, Erno Hanning. Hello and welcome, Tony Stubblebean. Is that, is that pronounced right? It's Stubblebine. Stubblebine. Right, that was it. Yes. That was it, Stubblebine. Uh, just uh, to clarify for uh, your les- regular listeners, normally I interview coaches and they have a success story, and but this is different. Um, Tony uh, is an interesting guest um, anyway because he has a tool that helps people to be coached. And he will tell you all about it. And I have some questions that are, you know, that I, that are, that's my usual questions. And we'll see how this evolves. Welcome, Tony. Erno, thank you for having me. I, I feel like it's such an honor to be here and so special for me to get to uh, talk to smart people such as yourself. Thank you. Well, the, the thing is, because coaches usually have a difficulty of explaining what they do. So I always ask, so what do you do when some people at a networking event ask you what you do? But obviously for you, that's very clear. So what do you do? You know, it's funny. You sent over these questions ahead of time, and that was like practically the hardest one to answer for me. I, I'm surprised that you say, I feel like an individual coach should have a really easy time. And we have a very hard time because uh, we have to sort of be a chameleon. If I was talking to investors, what I would say is we're building a platform for coaches, uh, essentially trying to build a marketplace that would allow anyone in the world to connect with any top coach in the world. And that would make sense to an investor. But if I was at a party, I would want to talk about how the tool could help an individual you know, achieve their goals. And it's tough then to just say, you know, a coach could help you with any goal. I would much rather than narrow it down and say, well, here's a slice of coaching. So, for example, if I was at a business conference, I would talk specifically about the business coaches that are active on our platform and how uh, how what they essentially what they're able to do is flip the script on executive coaching. A lot of executive coach, most people who use an executive coach didn't start till it was we say already too late. You know, it's like you're already a, you're a CEO and then you get coached. Oh, my God, you're so behind the, you know, the uh, under the gun at that point. And so, you know, if you aspire to do more in your career, why don't you just start grooming yourself right now? So we have this incredible array of great business coaches that would just like blow your mind who's available. And then also, you know, at reasonable prices that, um, uh you know, it's like some. I think by moving online, we're able to kind of play with uh, the cost of coaching in a really significant way. And I think 
that that's really important to me because I want everyone in the world to have access to a coach. And the way that the coaching industry is set up right now, very few people even know that coaching is an option for them. And price is definitely one component of it. So it's like there's some coaches on our system that are available for as little as $15 a week, which if you think about it from the consumer side, is just like mind-boggling. That, that opens up a whole new market that didn't exist before. And at the same time, because um, I'm at the other ends, right? I, I talk to a lot of coaches that don't make enough money, and I, I try to find ways to help them to make more money. So, so and at the same time, uh, it has to do with, um, as a coach, how you, how you get a good balance between all the stuff that you do, um, doing your marketing, doing your business, and, and coach, and, and have your family, because I, I talk to a lot of female coaches. Um, so doing this online is, is, a, is a great tool to combine it with all your stuff, because it will, I, the way it sounds and the way it looks is that it, it will cost you less time as a coach. Well, that definitely is true. You know, and this, I mean, to go back to the first question, this is yet another audience that I would describe Coach.me differently to. I mean, Coach.me is tools for doing online coaching and getting more uh, clients. So we have a huge community already that we sell our top coaches to and try to bring um, you know, more clients to them. And I can't guarantee full-time income to every coach, but right now it looks like at least coaches on the business side we basically have an unlimited demand for them, um, which doesn't, I mean, still, we only sell the coaches that have been proven, but uh, yeah, absolutely. The sort of, in terms of time, um, we think a lot about, I use this phrase a lot, utilization. I feel like a lot of coaches, the problem in their personal business is that they have a utilization problem. They make a good hourly rate, they're just not paid for very many hours of the week. And so that's the term from consulting, like how many how many billable hours do you have in a given week? And I feel like we can um, uh, slot in for a lot of coaches to fill in the gaps in their day and um, and also a lot of, you know, kind of provide this funnel that's not already there for them, that it's a big jump from going from I don't know you at all to I want a $200 phone call with you. Right. That's a really big leap. And so in our platform, we sort of, there's two sides of it. There's the community and there's the coaches. Community, the coaches are active in a Q&A. They take on these um, uh, coaching via text messaging, and that's the cheapest level that we have. But a, a ton of those clients end up graduating to uh, the kind of the phone call or, you know, one-on-one consultation level. And that, you know, the coaches set their own prices on that. And it, it's like... We can just see ourselves building a funnel for new customers for those coaches. And then on the flip side, too, the other thing that we spend a lot of time doing is measuring who are the top coaches. It's actually pretty easy for us to see, based on a client track record, who the top coaches are. And then we just give those coaches more and more opportunity. The way I feel it is it has to do with a lot of... Um uh, motivational kind of thing so so to become better at a sort of job that you do and then there's of course you have a lot of clients that work in like the life coaching business that is more about you know how do you change your life how do you address things differently um, spiritual coaching and that stuff is I have a feeling that, that fits a little bit um, less good on coach.me but I, I could be wrong so you know, it's the thing that we try to get across when we bring experienced, you know, life coaches into the system is that digital coaching is just a different branch of coaching. You can't do the same thing that you are doing in person in a digital format. Sort of if you coach over Skype, you can do the same thing. But digital coaching is really defined by coaching over text messaging or email or in our app, we have a chat system where you can also share files and images. And like, for example, the diet coaches, a lot of their clients will take pictures of their food every day. But it's, it's really like digitally native rather than, you know, in-person ported. So it's a completely different branch of coaching. And so when we were getting started, we opened it up to about a thousand coaches from our own community. 
And we drew those coaches from a mix of people that had prior certification. They were working as professional coaches every day. And we also recruited a group of people who we considered our most successful users. And we put those people into niche coaching uh, opportunities. Probably professional coaches would kind of quibble and say that that was more like mentorship. But essentially, we put them into the same uh, situation. We found that, uh, and this really surprised me, but we found that uh, personal success was a bigger predictor of success than uh, professional certification. And really what it was is people with professional certification were just struggling to recognize that they had to coach differently. And uh, the, the sort of the amateurs, I think, didn't have any preconceived notions. So now we just we try to say that like we have watched thousands and thousands of coaching interactions now. And so we have a training and a certification specific to digital coaching that's based on what works. And the main thing that you have to recognize is that you can't spend all day doing assessment. Like I, I feel like um, professional coaching is really uh, characterized by facilitation. You know, if you hear a phrase like coactive, they're saying we're never going to advise the client. We're going to facilitate the client to make change on their own behalf. That process works in person because the 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 client knows like you're a mirror for the client. The client is getting immediate feedback. But when you move to digital, it's asynchronous. And all of those sort of facilitation uh, techniques end up feeling like homework, like just weighing on the person. And they're not, and like the payoff isn't immediate enough. They're not really in a discussion with you. And uh, so they just end up not doing it. Like if you assign a ton of homework to someone who doesn't know you, doesn't have a lot of trust because you don't have any track record together, that person is not going to do the homework or feel like they're getting good value from their coach. So in order to create a scenario where you have room to coach, we found that the best possible thing you could do is build the coaching relationship around regular action, daily action, essentially. And so in our certification program, we walk them through, people through four steps, a very short assessment. Our top coaches are able to get from assessment to action in two messages, usually. And... Um, and then work on consistency. And then once you have consistency, there's a ton of room to do coactive, facilitated growth. You know, it's like in our business coaching, probably the most common habit that gets built uh, at the beginning is set priorities for your day. Obviously, all CEOs do something like that. But new professionals are usually have no idea what they're going to work on or why. And that habit, like a morning habit of set priorities for your day, opens up a conversation with the coach where the coach is like, did you know, even a question as simple as, did you get your top priority done yesterday? It's just like eye-opening. No, I didn't. And here's why, right? And um, Or um, why is that your top priority? Or how do you know that that was a good use of your time? Like all of those discussions facilitate a really meaningful conversation, but you can't get to that unless you have a regular practice. And I think that's what really trips up people who are used to only facilitating is that they're like, they're just moving way too slow and the clients just end up giving up on them uh, almost immediately. And I, like, I'm not talking about, when I talk about success rates, I'm saying that in our, if you use our digital coaching framework, you will keep your clients three times longer than if you just translate the your in person onto digital. Like it's a like a massive difference in outcomes. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, a lot. Because yes, I, I can have the example, I have two examples. I have one of my own, right? And I've, I've been using, um, I started using Lyft, which obviously that was previously was coached up me. And I've switched to coach up me and I had a strict schedule in the day, like get up at five and do this and do that and do this and so on. And, and, and it took me a while to, to find out that this was the schedule I needed in coach of me to get me motivated to get this stuff done, to check out, okay, I got up at five, I did the run today, I did this stuff, and so on. And right now, I've, I've, I've kind of lost coach of me because my morning routine is so strict, um, I don't need um, to clicking the yes, I've done that anymore. So, so that's, that's one thing, that's a success. And, and I also see the second example, I have, I have a client 
um, that she stepped in a program for me for a year, and it is about you know changing her business. But the first months we are working on changing her daily activity in in a way that she focuses on the most important thing first instead of you know jumping into email and trying to answer all these questions from customers and clients that come in and just you know in the end of the day feel that I've ha I haven't completed any work that I wanted to do. So 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 I I think that's really interesting because I, I what I normally don't do what I did with do with her was um uh, just do morning call right so do a morning call with her saying so what's your schedule today what are you going to do today and, and it, it 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 takes a lot of time but it moves her forward and that's completely different from before okay so now I lost connection <laughs> yeah I think we're back. So yes. you're just saying that you do a morning call with her and uh, what's your schedule today? That question is so powerful. You know, I had a running coach for a while and uh, there was like, I got to work on a Monday and I saw a message from him and the question was, what days are you planning to run this week? And I was just like, it was an epiphany. No days. I had made no plans to run this week. And because of that, I probably was going to really struggle to meet my running goals, right? That that those simple questions end up being really powerful. And I think because of how coaching has been structured previously, where you tend to just meet like once a week or, you know, once a month, that it's hard to, I mean, of course you would never have coached in this sort of daily habitual way because, you know, who has time to spend two, like, I don't know what you think the average cost of a coach is, but let's say, you know, a hundred, $200 an hour every day, I mean, that's a, like, that is a really huge investment. Um, and so just the coaching methods that are most common out in the world are really the coaching methods that work for a weekly in-person. And this move to digital, the other big change is that you can talk to your client every day and you might spend only a minute talking to them. Uh, you know, I find that a lot of the coaches just developed this amazing pattern recognition. I mean, they, they know what's going on. They know where they are in the cycle of coaching and they can knock out a useful message in, you know, one to three minutes. And, um, and, but that daily contact with their coach and more importantly, the client just feeling like they have a sounding board and a, a you know, someone watching over them or someone, I mean, this is something, you know, the study about like, um, people at offices not doing their dishes and that if you put a sign over over the sink saying do your dishes no one will pay attention but if you put eyes like a picture of eyes on top of that sign it actually like changes the outcome right like we are reactive to other human relationships even even like facsimiles of human relationships and so that that daily check in with your coach uh, is a really powerful, regular human interaction that really helps people change their behavior. So a lot of coaches who are already doing in-person, like they could consider adding um, uh, weekly or daily check-ins or digital coaching just as the accountability layer for what they're already, you know, coaching on. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, I agree. The accountability um, thing is really important. That's something that I had trouble with, um, not as a person, but as a mentor for coaches to get that in into my system. And, and, and I understand now, finally, after years, that this is really important and that it, it, it really contributes to um, the process, right? So if you, if, you make, if you do these steps that make people feel accountable, right? So that, you know, like these morning calls that make you feel accountable and you have to do something. Like you, you said, when you plan to run, you go like, oh, shit, I haven't planned. So then suddenly you go like, okay, I've got a plan. So it's just a minor question. This is short and tiny. You know, it is. It's, it, it means almost nothing, but to you, it means everything. It is. It, it is. A, you know, I feel like I've really come to coaching from, you know, with the beginner's mind, right? That uh, we started coaching as an experiment. We expanded that experiment. We basically ran the almost a Darwinian system of what worked and what didn't because we did not give the early coaches very much advice at all. And uh, so, and which is good 
because the top coaches did things that wouldn't have been in the training that I would have provided. And so I just, you know, I had to come at it with a lot of humility. But, you know, at this point, we're, we're really moving past that. And that's what's allowing us to open up the coaching platform to the world. I mean, you know, I'm here partly just because I want to invite all coaches onto the platform where before we had been very limited to people that had already been in our community. Um, because now I can actually tell you this works and this doesn't. And we have like a very simple certification that we just launched that you probably takes you less than an hour, but it will like really hammer home the three or four things that you need to wrap your head around in order to be successful in the new format. And, um, uh, and I just, you know, I think what, you know, what's sort of revol what's really revolutionary is that we were able to build this based on data, right? I mean, that's like the movement to coaching online means that you don't have to guess at what works. You can actually run massive experiments and see, uh, and, you know, just pull out best practices left and right. You know, I don't know if this is a good analogy for everyone, but I think a lot about the uh, poker boom of, like, 10 years ago, where it used to be that the top poker players in the world were all, like, pretty old. They've been playing for decades because they'd always had to play in person, and the in-person game goes so slowly. And then suddenly all the top poker players in the world were, like, 22, and they'd been playing for two years, but they'd been playing online. And online, they could play, like, you know, six games at once. The online game moves so much faster, and they've got so much, you know, their repetitions were so so much faster that their learning curve got a lot faster. And I think that that's what's really revolutionary revolutionary about moving coaching online is that actually the speed of learning the sort of the uh, rate at which the coaching industry can improve is just going to go way up because we're going to be able to coach so many more people in so many more different scenarios and measure it which is just you know impossible in the in-person coaching space and it's good that you tell it because you talk about um, doing six games at a time so how many how many what oh, would yeah. be the, what, would, what would be the shift if, if I was going to be a coach like uh, most coaches that I know, you know that do a lot of it in person and do some Skyping, um, but that's it, right? So they don't do stuff like Coach Up Me. So and they move to this platform. How many how many clients would you have? Okay, this is going to make your head explode. You could handle a hundred clients, no problem. Uh, no problem at all. Uh, probably for most coaches who have a coaching. Uh, business elsewhere, you know, they would want somewhere between 30 and 50 uh, coaching clients kind of to fill in the gaps. And um, I can't guarantee that to every coach, except I say, I feel like on the business side right now, we have this huge demand for business coaches. Uh, um, but yeah, that's like, it, we're talking about that kind of number. I actually had a coach once coaching 200 people, but his, his, uh, uh, it, I think it wore him down. 200, we now feel like is too much. Um, but you know, this is part of our tool. Is like from the coaching's perspective, there's a, a chat. I mean, that's like the coach and the client. They see the same thing, but there's built-in notes right there. And the coaches, you know, all sort of develop a quick system for reminding themselves like what's important for this uh, this particular client. And um, you, know, I think. For a coach coaching 50 people, if I were to like sit them down and ask them, who are you coaching and what's important to them, they wouldn't be able to recall it. But then when they go through the app and they go person by person, it just gets triggered very quickly. Um, it's like, I mean, you know, more it's that pattern recognition. You know, we talk about poker, but you could talk about chess too, right? It's the, the chess master who's playing 50 games blindfold, right? It's uh, you start to recognize the patterns and you get really good at it. Um, you know, the other thing too, I mean, this is, you know, I don't want to oversell this to the point that every in-person coach feels like they're going to be a great digital coach. I mean, it, it is a transition. It's a different branch, which I already said. It also is a little bit of a different mindset that, uh, the other thing that we've seen in-person coaches struggle with is, um, kind of the systematic nature of it, Right. I feel like in-person coaching is it, it tracks a lot of 
very personal people. I mean, the in-coaching experience is so warm, right? I mean, you're sitting with a person, you're really reacting to that person, and you're like, you've got a really good vibe there. But to coach 50 people at once is much more like disciplined and um, uh, a lot of people who uh, who do well just kind of spend a lot of time thinking about their own personal systems for coaches. So not surprisingly to me in hindsight, a lot of our top a lot of our top coaches who came from the amateur side who had um, you know personal success stories who then converted into becoming coaches, a lot of them had technical backgrounds. So our, our absolute highest performing coach in the system, he does it part-time. His main job is he's the CTO at a tech startup in Boston, right? And so, so here you have a guy who was a programmer and thinks like in a programmer's mindset, but then has all of the um, kind of empathy and human, you know, sort of personal skills that come with moving into management and learning that, you know, humans are not robots. You have to work with them in a very human level. But that, in hindsight, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's someone who looked at the business of coaching in a really systematic way and succeeded. And he was able to succeed before we did any training. And a lot of our training is based off of things that we saw him doing. Like, he's the one who really clued us in to what works and what doesn't work. Hmm. Do you, you have all the data. Do you see that this is, because it feels for me like that, more like a um, male tool than a female tool? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I don't particularly. You know, there is, you know, there's some oddities in our community based on how we launched, right? Like we launched, so the history of the company is we were originally a goal tracking community called Lyft. And we had launched with a lot of tech interest. We were the um, one of my investors, who's also on our board, was the CEO of Twitter, and we were the first project he he worked on post Twitter. So like the whole tech industry, which is a little like skews male, was very interested in that project. And then a lot of you know the other big collaborator we've had is Tim Ferriss, who like once or twice a year will do a major initiative with us. Um, like he ran a challenge in. Um, in August, last August that was like had 15,000 people participating in it for a month. So he tends to send a lot of his people our way. And so, and he also skews mail, although not entirely. And uh, so we've had a community that's like always been a little bit skewed that way. But when I actually look at the coaches, um, you know, I don't like uh, we hire, we, we hired one of our coaches to be to coach other coaches to sort of be the coach who's available to review uh, the work that you're doing. And uh, she's a woman. She's a, also does it in her spare time. She's a CEO of a, uh, a resort in Texas that employs 250 people. Um, so I think it. But I think she's at that level too, where she's not a programmer, but she thinks very systematically too, because she had to in order to good at her job and actually she got her start as a CPA so maybe it is it's like that mathematical mind uh, does very well here um, yeah no I you know but when I think about our coaches I think about a real mix I think um, you know one of our top coaches and earliest coaches who does a lot of work um, in uh, sort of the no alcohol community uh, sort of like a, you know we think of that those coaches are sitting between AA and residential, like people that don't want to go to AA and like definitely aren't going to go to a residential program, you know, could try out someone sort of in the privacy of their, you know, in private. And uh, she's been really successful there. And, you know, she's like comes from, uh, this is a weird term that I almost feel like it's a pejorative, but this is what they use from the mommy blogging community. So she was a big blogger, comes from that world world um and uh and you know it's almost like i really hesitate to say that it's overly masculine because i feel like the math like the 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 big mistake that the other big mistake that coaches make is new coaches is that they're overly prescriptive 
Like I do say we have to guide someone towards a daily practice, but the coaches who are overly prescriptive um, really struggle too. And so there's like the, there's a real room for being a great listener and for being, um, you know, there's a lot of warmth in the chat, uh, you know, once you get going, once you have a habit built. I mean, I'm totally using the men are for Mars, women are for Venus characterizations there. Um, you know, obviously it's like not that data. No, 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 I agree. But 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 still, um, I, I remember the challenge that um, Tim Ferriss started. Actually, I actually joined in at a time, so that was funny too. We call it an abstinence challenge. Abstinence. What is that? Well, it's just like you, you abstain from alcohol and other things for a month. That was it. Okay. <laughs> Because I remember a, a, a female friend of mine, she um, she saw a speech out of mine of my coach.me um, uh, things that I had on my list. And she says, well, I better not talk about that one in public with people. I says, well, I don't mind. But, you know, that's what it is. And she says, well, that, I think it's a male thing. Well, you know, it's funny. That challenge was not a male thing. It, there was a, a component of it that was abstaining from masturbation. And it's just like it's a weird thing. Because not, not everyone is comfortable talking about it, although it's totally human and um, it's certainly a difficult challenge for uh, men and women to go a month uh, abstaining from that along with alcohol. Uh, but for us, it was this hugely successful challenge. It's actually where we first tested coaching and coaching did amazing. So I often feel like I need to reference it, but I'm not trying to stir up controversy or make people uncomfortable. Right. And so it just happens that that this Tim Ferriss challenge is just like not always for polite company, but it is so relevant to where we ended up. Um, so that's why I, I call it an abstinence challenge is I just avoid the whole thing. And because that's not what's important. It's not, it's not the topic of it isn't what's important. What's important is that we were able to test coaching. We were able to test a professional coach and a, you know, someone who is 106 days sober as sort of like, you know, peer mentor. And uh, they performed the same. And the peer mentor was chosen two to one. So it's actually, I mean, there's so many interesting things about trying to reinvent coaching for a digital. And one of them, another is that people would much rather hear success stories than they would credentials. Like, I mean, credentials, Coaches often tell me their credentials, and I'm just like, I've never heard of this credential. Like, why are you telling me this? This is so meaningless to me. And, like, your clients aren't going to know who the, what this is, right? And so that's what we learned in that challenge is I said, okay, this person um, uh, was a senior staffer at One Taste, which is a coaching organization that uh, everyone who's read Tim Ferriss' books is very familiar with because they appear in his books quite often, and this other person is 106 days sober, who do you want? They like chose this other person two to one. It's crazy. And um, and I think, you know, again, as an outsider, it's really easy, easy for me to make comparisons. I'm constantly comparing, well, this looks like something I saw somewhere else. And this idea of what is the value of credentials reminds me a lot of a trend that happens in tech, which is we've completely moved off of resumes. Nobody hires a programmer based on the resume. In fact, I've never seen a resume from any programmer I've worked with since 2005. And the reason is because you can now look at their open source contributions. Right? Sort of, so what has happened is portfolios replaced resumes. And for a long time, resumes were the best that we could do. And a resume is like a list of credentials. I went to Stanford. I worked at this company. I had this job title. And that's, I mean, that's a signal. But a much better signal would be to look at your actual work and see if it's any good. And wherever possible, if you can replace um, credentials with uh, um, a portfolio, You'll, the people will be happier. And I think that's one of the things that we're like starting to be able to do online is say, well, you know, these people have been coached and these, this has been their outcome. And this is the success rate, at least for this coach. And, uh, and clients prefer that. I mean, not to say, I mean, we now have a credential system, but so, it's, but the purpose of the credential 
is in education. It's not in trust anymore. And it, I, th I think it's dangerous to rely just on, uh, on credentials to convince people to trust you because they're just not that convincing. Hmm. But I, I remember I got an email at that time because I, I did, I don't know, remember so many days um, asking me if I want to be a coach on this topic. And I go like, uh, that would be weird for me. <laughs> Uh, you know, I I find the addiction coaching, which is what this was. I mean, there's certainly like, you know, when Tim put it out as a challenge, I think what you had is a lot of people who don't have anything resembling addiction being like, okay, this is hard. I'm going to do it. But it was also a cover for people that are actually struggling. And those are the people that ended up hiring coaches. And the stories they told were, you know, just really real you know like the rawness of them i i just like i almost don't like to spend that much time in that area of our coaching just because it's so intense you know it's so emotionally intense to be there and like i you know i spend a lot more time on the business side because it's just like it's fun like i'm an engineer i like to optimize things and there's no like i never like i never get triggered emotionally on that side um but certainly in the what we'd call the addiction side, which is, you know, no smoking, no porn, no sweets, no alcohol. We don't really do anything with drugs. As we don't have anything really developed around narcotics, but um, those first four, those pretty active communities uh, around and pretty active coaching around it. And, uh, you know, I just don't have, I just, I'm amazed when I hear the, um, what's really going on there. It's just, uh, there's a lot of pain, and uh, there's a lot of, you know, healing, I guess, going on, you know, to find a coach who's been there, been in the same spot as you, and can really um, help relieve you of some of that pain. Mm -hmm. um, you talked about how many coaches, you could, how many clients you could do. It was, uh, uh, you mentioned uh, 30 to 50. So let's say that you do 30 clients. How, how much would you, on average, make? So most... So we do a revenue share, and um, the uh, it's either we either give the coach fifty percent if we if it's our client or seventy percent if it's their client. And um, you know most of our our active coaches are making a few hundred, a few thousand extra dollars a month doing this uh, part time. Um, I think for people that who feel like a few thousand extra dollars a month isn't enough, they they should really approach a there is a pathway to sort of the elite end of the coaches in our system. Um, and the success stories there are the sort of two paths. One, if you're an excellent writer, we do have a system for capturing your coaching inside of a plan. And that those plans can be sold over and over and over again. And the people that have been successful there are have two characteristics. They're excellent writers and they... Um, already and they work on their own mailing list so uh we had a guy by the way let me talk about how big of a mailing list we need we had a guy who put out a plan for introverts and he um, had a mailing list of 500 people and we helped him promote it too and he made seven thousand dollars in one day i don't know how long it took him to write it but that i mean that's a product that he can sell over and over again and I feel like a 500-person mailing list is something that you know most people who are active in online marketing you know could aspire to. I, you know, it's like to have a 50,000 or 100,000-person list. You know, that's generally the the realm of top authors. You're like someone who has a New York Times bestseller on your list. But 500 is, I think, is fairly accessible for most people. So that's one path you could go down where you're sort of building, you're turning your coaching into info products and and selling them uh, through our site. Um, the other is, I mean, we just, you know, more and more we're finding that more uses for our top coaches. So I already said I hired one of our top coaches to coach other coaches. And I think that's the same in the business side. So we just started uh, uh, what we call co co uh, leadership coaching for teams, where we bring business coaching into an organization, we coach usually the individual contributors or the, you know, sort of the early managers, not 
not the executive coaches. Like we're not competing in any way with the executive coaches. And we're able, and we're doing that right now for a hundred dollars a month. Everyone has said yes to me, which makes me think I'm not charging enough. But it, it's like whatever. It's a price point that lets you go in the side door of a business and give coaching to an entire staff. And usually the manager who's hiring us is like, you know, could just put that on their, they have budget for this. So they don't have to get any sort of approval. So it's an easy way for us to get into businesses. And when we first started doing this pretty recently, um, we had one customer who asked for it and we were friends with them. We said, oh, we'll do it just because we're friends with you and see how it goes. But they were so gung-ho about it. Like they thought it was so important that like no one invests time in the individual staff. The managers are so overworked, so focused on just the strategy of getting stuff done that they don't put any like real individual coaching work, even if they had the skill to do it. And so you're basically able to outsource this thing that you wish managers could do, but they can't. And that's like that's our leadership coaching. And, and everyone we've talked to so far, you know, uses a different word, but it all means the same thing tenacity, entrepreneurship, creativity. Like they're just like they want their staff to be able to solve problems. And that, you know, that's essentially what we think about uh, leadership is. It's not management. It's being able to see there's a problem and taking responsibility for solving it. And we can coach the entire, like your entire staff on that. So anyways, from the trial, I was curious if uh, this was a real thing and I put it out to our community, and now I have a waiting list of 100 companies that want this. So I'm going through, doing the phone calls, putting coaches out, and everyone has said yes so far. This is like, this is so shocking to me. And so now I have like, this is why I say I have an unlimited demand for business coaching, is I, I'm actually, the thing that slows us down is having coaches that we trust for that and so that's like that's another thing where that's a, a higher tier of coaching uh with a different price point we have the same revenue split on it and but then you know when but i already can tell that there's then different levels we're gonna have different levels of coaching there like if i when i find myself on a kickoff call with one of these companies i think okay this is fun it's good for me to be there but i can't do 100 kickoff calls Right. I need, you know, essentially uh, we're going to have probably coaching leaders inside of each of these organizations. The, 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 if we have multiple coaches in an organization, we need one who's sort of responsible for overseeing the whole group and and, uh, you know, working with the management on on their uh, fitting into their strategic initiatives. Because we had a manager called this is a weird way to describe it, but it's super powerful. He called what we're doing push button behavior modification for the entire company, right? And I mean, if you think about how powerful that is that, um, you know, so like we're working with a company right now that has a really strong engineering culture around quality, but has really struggles with slow release times. And they want to change that. They want to have much more of a culture around shipping quickly, which is very much the trend in tech is rapid iteration. And uh, so, they're going to like have a big rah-rah meeting. Their management is going to say, this is really important. And, but they also have to provide the infrastructure that locks that new behavior into place. Uh, and uh, some of it will be technical, but you know, one of it is could be our coaches. And so to kind of know what's coming down the pipe and then being able to uh, help in our organization, that's pretty high-level coaching. I think we're going to end up with a lot of opportunities there. So it's like, you know, I just I just see us as a place that has a home for every coach. And if if there's not something to do right now, the minimum thing that every coach listening right now should do is just create a profile and uh, make yourself available for phone calls. You might not get a ton of business, but it's free to create a profile, and it could be, you know, definitely an extra you know, it's free marketing for you, essentially. And um, uh, that seems like such a no-brainer that, uh, you know, I certainly, not to be too salesy, I, 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 I'm here partly, I just really want to hear what um, you think about what we're doing and what where the coaching is going. But that one just seems like such an easy one that 
uh, people listening, coach.me, and they can go uh, set themselves up pretty quickly. Yeah, well, I'll make sure that I have the links and everything in the show notes, which um, is going to be episode 32. Um, I, I, have a, I have two final questions. Yeah, and I have one final question for you. Good. Um, do you have one tip for the coach that is listening at this moment that you think um, and well, you gave one before, which was you know, enter your profile and start doing taking calls, but that's not what I meant. Do you have one right. tip for a coach? One of the things we learned in working with coaches was the value of active listening, which I think is very much people think that they do active listening, but then when we can actually read their transcripts, we would find that they're not or that they're really shortcutting it. And, uh, and they were ruining their coaching relationships. So I could see this even in in-person coaching, if you're really kind of facilitating conversations, but not repeating back what you've heard and being, um, uh, you know, reflecting uh, what you're hearing and, and really making clear that you're a great listener. If you're not strong at that, um, then you're not, you're not being, a, you're just not being the, the coach that you could be. And I've heard this from other in-person coaches. Like the exec, I actually work with an in-person executive coach. And um, he told, told me the feedback he gets all the time from when he goes into new organizations is they're like, wow, you know, the coaching is amazing because I really feel like you're listening to me. And uh, I just, people are, are way too quick to try to get to some sort of insight. And by not listening... You're not providing, I don't think, the incentives for the client to be fully engaged. You know, it's like if I'm going to answer your question or go through your facilitation, I want to know that you're hearing me and um, or else I'm not going to put my full effort into it. And also the other thing is I have so many solutions inside of me that have just never been voiced. And by being a great listener, I'll just solve all these problems myself. I I'll have way more um, commitment to them and way, um, and it'll build my own confidence, right? And so I, I can see the chat transcripts and I see that like all sorts of coaches uh, take shortcuts around this and it, it's actually the most important thing. And, you know, in, there's a couple of ways you can do it in chat. I mean, at minimum, just repeating the words back to a client. Uh, but, you know, actually taking this time to synthesize it and re- relate to it, uh, to what you're hearing, it makes it much more personal. Uh, but I think that's actually universal across all coaching. You have to really make clear that you're a great listener. And that, to me, is the fundamental skill of coaching. I, I, I love the tips. So, so for me, it was a completely unexpected tip, and I, I, I really learned something from it. So that was really good. Well, you would think it, it, it's a surprising tip, right? Because you that's, you don't think like that would be the tip. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, and that's where again, I feel like it's nice to be, you know, come at it from a beginner's mind because I just like that's what the data says, and this is you know, a professional and uh, and new coaches, you know, experienced and uh, beginner coaches alike, you know, will make this make that mistake. Um. I was curious what you thought of the existing coaching uh, industry. It just, you know, I feel like I often feel that we're outside of it. Like I would very much like to work more with them, but we just, there's a whole market that isn't served by the existing industry. That tends to be where we're most active. Um, and so I just, you know, I think so mostly what I see is the failings of the existing industry. So I just, just because that, the failings, another word for that is the opportunities. And that just like, it's not that we're, I mean, just we kind of like, you know, we got pulled there because there's so much desire in these areas that weren't being solved. So I'm just curious, like what, as a, as a coach who talks to a lot of coaches, what do you think is working and not working in the existing industry? Well, obviously, there's a there's a big difference between what's going on in the Netherlands and what's going on in the U.S. Because um, in, in a in a ratio, I, I would say that there's a lot more coaches in the Netherlands than there are in the U.S. Actually, um, but the thing is, is that what you see with 
um, people that become a coach, what I see is that most of them went through a very difficult phase in their life and they found a solution, a coaching method, right? Um, a coaching person that had a specific system, method, whatever. So when they come out of their um, out of the phase, that they, they overcome the situation, they figure, well, this is it. This is what I have to do. I have to help other people to do the same thing. So they pick up the same coaching method and they start going into the world saying, I'm this kind of coach. And that's when it all um, goes wrong because they're so focused on the technique of, of coaching and they've never thought about um, business, about all the other stuff that comes with it. Because if you want to be a coach, you have to find clients, you have to find coaches that you can help and you have to make money. You have to ask a decent amount of um, payment from these people to make sure that you can continue to do the coaching. And that that's where it goes wrong a lot. So what you see from coaches is that they focus a lot on techniques. So when you want, when you ask them, well, what do you want to invest into? Often you see they want to invest in more coaching techniques. They don't want to invest into learn about business, about to become a better business person, to make sure that their business is sustainable, that they can help more people. No, they want to learn more coaching techniques so that they can help the clients better. That's what I feel is um, one of the biggest difficulties. That's such a great point, and it, it reminds me of something surprising that I had learned about culinary school, that when you study to become a chef, one of the things they teach you is how to price a menu, right? Like there's actually culinary school specifically teaches you the business of restaurants because otherwise, what's the point, right? And I do, I, I think that is such a like a, a canny observation of, uh, professional coaches is like you're not really a professional unless you understand how to turn it into a business and um, yeah I, it is it's uh, it's tough uh, it's tough personally to run into so many coaches who are saying I don't have enough business given that there's so many people who clearly want to be coached and uh, there's not a really developed um, I don't know why you know the uh, why the certification industry like isn't better at training the business side of it because it just feels so natural to me you know like here's like a really simple example of how natural it seems to me is we were I have a PR person who works for me and we're trying to get some stories placed and uh, we wanted those stories to be you know, about individual coaches and we were pitching their hometown newspapers. And then we just saved all of the templates that we um, that we used to pitch those hometown reporters. And we said, well, wait a second. Why are we pitching the hometown papers? Why don't the coaches pitch the hometown papers? So it's like we just turned our existing PR campaign into training materials for coaches. And so I don't think we have great business training for coaches. But it's starting to come up organically just through our work that there's this one slice. We have great training for getting press as a coach. Like it, All you have to do is copy these email templates. It's like literally, you know, take you five minutes to pitch your hometown reporter. And they love local stories, right? And so it's like I just feel like every coach, like, it, I mean, for your listeners, has every one of you pitched, you know, your hometown paper and the 10 most relevant niche blogs in your space? Like, probably 95% the answer is no. And uh, so, because you don't know how. And it seems insurmountable if you don't know how. And I think this is, like, one of the things that we aim to do in our training material is to make this stuff uh, really, really easy. Like, I mean, just for, you know... One thing to say about our training material is it's all licensed under what's called Creative Commons, essentially public domain, right? The Creative Commons is the open source license for, um, which would allow anyone to use it free of charge. It comes with attribution as the only requirement. If you're using it, you know, uh, definitely uh, mention it. But it, you know, it, it includes 
templates for for you know for PR. And I think we're going to like really develop that because I, I do feel like it's our responsibility just to grow the the industry, the coaching industry, and um, uh, I know that's definitely a, a major goal of ours going forward. Okay, now my final question is, um, and, and remember, I'm looking for coaches uh, on the interviews, is who do you want to hear in this podcast? Um, that is a good question. Um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, like, I have, like, the wish list. Like, I always want to hear Tony Robbins talk shop. And, you know, tech, although he runs a lot of seminars, he is technically a coach for a lot of high-level people. And I heard him on the Tim Ferriss podcast recently, and they were actually, like, really talking shop. And he said this fascinating thing. He said, everyone thinks I'm a motivational speaker, but I think I'm a strategist. And the thing with strategy, though, is you have to um, – you have to sequence it and package it in a way that people hear it and take and take it, right? And so what people see as motivational speaking is really just his packaging and sequencing of really um, you know, basic strategy. I mean, probably a lot of people know the strategy advice. A lot of experts know the strategy advice that he gives. They're just not able to package it in a way that it's actually heard. And I just thought that was such an astute observation of, what coaching is because to me when i think about what makes a coach magical i think okay you have a in the world you have teachers who are allowed to get away with just merely presenting you the information if i lectured you and you failed the test that's on you not on me right and so coaches are the level above teachers where they say we're going to make sure you pass this test Right. I'm going to work with I'm going to do I'm going to be incredibly pragmatic and do whatever, you know, is po I need to do in order to make this work. And um, and so this is like coaches often get like criticized for being like a little woo woo or like a little like. Right. But it's like, no, that's the packaging that works for a certain target demographic. And then behind that is the real strat strategy advice. I just think that is what makes us such an honorable profession is that coaches end up being so pragmatic because they're willing to go above and beyond in order to make that. So I, like to me, Tim Ferriss, but you know, I mean, certainly if you want to talk to some of the coach to me coaches, I have a whole slew. I mean, I think Josh Roman, who's like an amateur who does really well, is just like fascinating to talk to him because he'll, he'll say, I, I don't know why this works. Here's what, you know, here's what I think. Right. And, um, I mean, talk about like an actual beginner's mind. Like he has that in spades, and and so I asked him once um, if he could define uh, like sort of different personas of clients. So this is a definitely a tech design term where you often think of you kind of uh, label different types of people who might use your product. I think it works really well in coaching, and so he's sort of listing the types of clients he gets, and he, and he called one needs a friend. And I just thought, well, that's not a clinical term at all, but it makes a lot of sense to me, right? And um, so, like, he's—I find he's very entertaining that way uh, because it's like a child describing your industry, but you can respect it because he's done so well, right? And um, uh, so, I mean, if I were to recommend someone from our coaching ranks. I, I am just, I'm very fascinated by him because uh, uh, I feel like there's a lot to learn there that you wouldn't learn other places because he, he's such a, he's just such an outlier. Tony, thank you very much for this, well, thank you. For this uh, conversation. That was the interesting interview with Tony. You can find the names and links that Tony mentioned in the post that goes with this episode. Please visit numberonecoachbiz.com slash episode 32 for direct access. Tony has also set up a promo code for you. You can use the code COACHBIZWEEK, so C-O-A-C-H-B-I-Z-W-E-E-K, where it says have a promo code. 
This is good for a week of coaching or 10 days of a one-month coaching package. So if you want to start using coach.me, so if you want to start using coach.me and you want to use a coaching from somebody in there, use this promo code coachbizweek. Don't forget to subscribe to the number one Coach Biz podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud. Can you do me a huge favor so more coaches will discover this podcast? Give this podcast your honest rating and review. This will really help me to get this podcast out there. Thank you for that. You send me a quick email. Let me know you did this and I will send you a surprise. You can reach me at erno at numberonecoachbiz.com. I love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the number one Coach Biz podcast at numberonecoachbiz.com.